Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. And he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. So again, the natural normal progression of things is follow, believe, love, because of what he's, we realize he's done for us, and then we're going to obey. So he says, if you love me, you're going to obey my commandments. We hope you find this message encouraging. Last week I started a sermon um, and got to the last point. But the whole deal is, it is uh, how Christ works with us in a progression of things. And it's a good thing. It's, it's so, so, so wonderful that he doesn't just say, all right, buddy, right here, right now, this moment, this time, this place, you better get it right. Never, never, never in the gospel accounts is that said. And I'm so happy about that. Fact is, what Christ did was meet people where they were and take them to where he knew that they could be. Not where they knew they could be, but where he knew they could be. And he does the same thing with us. It works in a progression of things. The progression that Christ used is, first of all, follow. That was his message over and over and over again to his disciples, follow. Not a complicated message. Amen? Not follow and do this and do that and we're going to add this and this is a big long, here's your laundry list of things to do and then you can follow me. Fact is, he invited some kind of scrupulous characters. If you look at it, Matthew was one of the ones that was the worst. He was, he was at the bottom of the barrel. In that society, in that day and time, uh, tax people were looked down on. Wait a minute. Not too dissimilar from today. But the thing was, he wasn't just a tax person, he was a tax collector. So it was almost like he had betrayed his own people. He was working for Rome, he was collecting taxes for them, and the way that it worked in those days, the tax collectors didn't really get a salary. What they did was take a cut. And so whatever you owed to Rome... It might have been 5%, it might have been 10%. I've really never even read a specific about what it was. But, you know, today we're probably overall probably better than 30% of our income goes to taxes in one shape, form, fashion, or another. And so in that day and time, I don't know what what the percentage was, but say it was today. It would be like he would collect his 30% for the government, but... What you ended up owing was 35 or 40% or even 50%. And he would take his cut and then send the rest on to Rome. If he did his job well, then he might get a little, little bit of income, a little bonus from the government. But otherwise, he was extorting his own people. And so you, you think about that. Not really the person that we would say, hey, I think I'll pick him to be my disciple. But here's the deal. It's a story about redemption. And Jesus took the worst of the worst and made them the best of the best. And is that not what he did with us? He picked us up where we were and he said, if you'll just follow me. He said to all the fishermen in their boats, come follow me and what? I will make you. You're not going to become, I'm going to help you. I'm going to form you. I'm going to put you along that path that's going to make that happen. So the next thing in the natural progression of things is if we begin to follow, we're going to see the miracles that Jesus does. We're going to see the things that are going on. And ultimately, we're going to believe. Okay? Because you can't see those miracles. Fact is, he says it in John's gospel. He said, if you can't believe for any other sake, believe because you've seen the miracles. 
The Father's in me, and I'm in the Father. And if you can't see that, then at least see the miracles and begin to believe. That's the natural, normal progression of things as far as the Lord is concerned. And if we follow, and then we begin to believe, and we begin to hang with Jesus quite a bit, the next natural progression of things is that we're going to love. Okay? He talks about it. He says, the one who is forgiven much, the same loves much. And if we realize what Christ has done for us, if we realize the things that he has provided for us, if we realize the plans that he has for us, we're going to begin, as a natural progression of things, we are going to begin to love him. We didn't love him to begin with. He loved us first. And we have to realize that and say, he sought me out. He, he, he cared enough to reach me where I was, but he loved me too much to leave me there. So it's the natural, normal progression of things we're going to follow, we're going to believe, then we're going to love. And we got to this point last week, and the fourth one is obey. And he says, if you love me, Obey my commandments. So again, the natural, normal progression of things is follow, believe, love, because of what he's, we realize he's done for us, and then we're going to obey. So he says, if you love me, you're going to obey my commandments. What are his commandments? We talked about that a little bit last week. The, the people ask him, what is the most important commandment? What is the one commandment of, of all of them? What is the one that we really, really, really need to keep in order to make it to heaven. And the Lord answered, and he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In that, all the law and prophets, that much of our Bible, a good two-thirds of our Bible, is encapsulated, the Reader's Digest condensed version, the Cliff Notes version, of that right there, is love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. I like the easy version. How about you? But sometimes it's not all that easy. Sometimes it's a little bit of a strain because we want to say, oh, yeah, we love God, but I don't like that sucker over there. We, we get kind of choosy about it. And the Lord says, on in the, into the, some of the epistles, he says, you can't say that you love God and mean it if you're hating on your brother or your sister. And so the thing that we've got to realize is that if love is within us, love goes beyond. And I'm going to tell you something. There is a differentiation between loving and liking. Sometimes we get that confused. And you can love somebody without necessarily liking what they're doing. Amen? I've said it this way before. If you don't believe there's a difference between liking and liking and loving, then how many of you have people that you meet with? Uh, you may be going to meet with them next weekend. Sometimes it's around Christmas time, and that's the only time you ever see them during a year. Show of hands. Oh yeah. Why? You love them because they're your family. But you don't necessarily like them. Amen? There's a big difference there. Like is a two-way relationship. Love is not necessarily. I've talked about that many, many times. There's different definitions to love. Agape love is the kind of love, and that's, that's the biblical love. Phileo is the other one that is a friendship kind of love. It has to be reciprocated. You can have a friend, and if they don't friend you back, then guess what? It's not happening. Eros is the other kind of love. That's when we use the slang, making love. 
That's the sexual content of love, and it is well and good. God didn't make man and woman and go, what have I done? It was his plan from the very beginning. Amen? So it's not a mistake, but it's only good within the confines of marriage. I've talked about that before. Uh, Sex is like fire. Uh, Fire is really, really good in the fireplace. You take it outside the fireplace, it'll burn your house down really, really quick. Same thing with sex, okay? You take it outside the marriage, it'll burn your house down really, really quick. So uh, figuratively, if not literally, amen? <clears throat> so because Angie would burn our house down with me in it. If, <laughs> she'd be like, burn, baby, burn. Uh, sorry, just a little little truth there. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I'm just telling you that, that it all comes down to if we love, we're going to obey. Whatever the Lord asks us to do, and, and sometimes what we do in our day and time and in our society, obey years ago. I mean, most of you, some of you have sat through three weddings in the last month. Do you realize that obey is not in there? Why? Because I had so many people kick against it through the years that I have formulated it out of there. And really and truly, if you look at the word, there's only one obey in there, and it's wives obey your husbands. And all the women said, talk about burning your house down. (laughs) Fixing two right here. But here's the thing. It tells the husbands, their command is heavier. It says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Willing to lay down your life for them. And I've said this through the years many, many, many times. You show me a husband who loves his wife enough that he is willing to lay down his very life for her, and I will show you a wife that not only loves her husband back, but is very, very willing to obey anything he says. Why? Because she knows he's got her best interest at heart. Full circle now. The Lord has forgiven us, he's provided for us, he's preparing a place for us. John chapter 14, I go to prepare you a place, and if I go to prepare that place, I'll come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. I'm looking forward to that day, amen? The Lord's making, some people say, well, that's, you know, where it says I'm preparing a mansion, that that's really a room. Hey, I don't care if it's a room, I don't care if it's a tent, I don't care if it's a log cabin, whatever it is, I'm going to be happy with it. Why? Because he's preparing it for me. Amen? He's going to have me a shooting range and a driving range all out my back door. Amen? Some of you, it may be a four-wheel drive, some of you may be a boat and a fishing pond or whatever it is, but you know, he's preparing it for me. I go to prepare a place for you, he said. He didn't say I'm going to prepare a place for y'all because then that would be very generic and it'd have to suit us all and it'd be like a, one of these places where they do those little cookie cutter houses and just build them all in a row and they're all the same. They might have different carpet, might have different fixtures and things like that, but it's all essentially the same. That's not what he said. I go to prepare a place for you. Is that not awesome? Through the years, I've heard people say, no, I'm, so, I'm homesick for heaven. And I'm like, oh, you can't be homesick for a place you've never been before. Homesick is because you had a home and now you're not there. But I'm going to tell you something that's changed for me through the years. Is the more I study it out and the more I learn about the Lord, I don't know, I'm homesick for a place I've never seen before. Amen? 
So he tells us <clears throat> natural progression of things is you're going to follow, you're going to see what he's doing, you're going to believe. And once you see what he's done and you see how much he cares for you, you're going to love him and then you're going to obey. But again, we tend to look at that as kind of an ugly word. Obey. You got to obey. I mean, it just, it just kind of gives us a, a gut check or something. It's just like, well, I don't know about all that. But here's the thing. That's what he was looking for in the very beginning. We tend to look at it as work. If we're obeying something, we're obeying a certain list of things to do, that's, that's like work. And it's not work was meant from the very beginning. Fact is, in heaven, I hate to burst your bubbles, but there's going to be work for us to do in heaven. I hope I didn't just burst everybody. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I just heard that pop. <laughs> there's going to be work waiting on us there, but it's not going to be laborious. It's not going to be a task that we dread. It's going to be something that we enjoy. I'm, I'm fixing to blow some of your minds right here, but in Genesis chapter 2, this is what you need to look at. This is before the fall of man. This is before the curse. This is before anything bad happened. This is even before woman was formed. And the Lord placed the man in the garden to tend and watch over it. What does that sound like? Sounds like work. You're tending a garden. Now, if you look at those words, you take them back to the original language. Uh, he gave him that job, and this is, it was to cultivate and guard, or if we want to bring it into modern terms, serve and protect. And you thought the police came up with that. Okay, so he put him in the garden to serve and protect it. And then... Then he brought all the animals to Adam and had him name them all. And as he would name them, they would go running off. And that was their name from there on. And, and, and it says, and yet he looked at all the things that were created, that God created, and there was not found a fit, suitable mate for him. And he said, it's not good that man should be alone. Why? <laughs> no doubt he get in trouble. His mind wanders on him. It, it, he gets selfish. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've always always said, it's not good for somebody to spend a whole bunch of time alone. In fact, this study shown, coming from a, a prison chaplaincy position, one of the things that was big hot topic then was what solitary confinement does to a person. And most people, extended periods of solitary confinement will drive them absolutely bonkers. I'm talking about wheels off nuts. So it's not good for man to be alone. I mean, he could talk to the trees. He could talk to the deer and the elk and the, and the elephants and stuff, but there wasn't much reciprocation going on. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he caused a sleep to come upon him, took his rib out. That, taking that rib is significant. Didn't take his toe bone. Didn't take his pinky toe so that she would be beneath him. Didn't take a part of his skull to where she would be over him. Took a, took a rib so that she would be his partner. A fit, suitable mate. Okay? And then God created her and brought her to Adam. And he said, whoa, man! 
Never would have dreamed of that one, God. Whoa, man. And that's where that came from. You thought it was something real spiritual. He just saw her and said, whoa, man. And that's worth a hand clap. (laughs) So now from now on, whenever you hear man and whoa, man, can't believe it. But get this. This is where it all began to go wrong. The obey part, what was Adam's job? Serve and protect. Serve and protect. So should he have known everything that was going on in the garden? And yet that dead gum serpent got in there unbeknownst to him. So he was falling down on his job. He wasn't obeying. So do you realize the fall of mankind came because man wasn't obeying? That's why ultimately we know what happened. We know sin entered into the picture. We know that Eve and him, the serpent, uh, had the conversation. Did God really say? Do you realize that God never spoke to Eve and said for her not to eat of the tree? Adam had to relay that message. I think he did because Eve didn't say, you know, to the serpent, what are you talking about? Whenever he said, did God surely say? And so she got beguiled. The serpent conned her into eating the apple. And then Adam runs over, sees what has happened. And New Testament tells us he was not beguiled. He wasn't fooled. He just knew his one true love had just died. And I'm not going to be alone again. One of the greatest love stories there's ever been, I think. He wasn't willing for her to die alone, and he wasn't willing to be alone. I'm not going to let this happen this way. And he took a bite. So ultimately, this whole thing comes out of, this whole big mess that we're living in, comes out of the fact that Adam didn't obey what he was supposed to do. Serve and protect. And so when we look at jobs, when we look at obey, when we look at work, sometimes we think it's it's a bad word, it's an ugly word, but ultimately it comes down to that work was a part of the plan way before the curse ever entered into the picture. And so what happens is sometimes we begin to look at work as a drudgery, we don't want to obey, we kick against it, and it's the one thing that God has asked us to do. Obey. All he's asking us to do. Follow, believe, love, obey. The natural progression of things. And sometimes it, because of our attitudes toward it, because, because we're not following that progression of things, the follow, believe, love, and obey, we get things out of order. Sometimes people look at serving Christ, a, a relationship with Christ is all about a big list of things that we can't do. I don't know if you've ever talked to anybody that's had that attitude. I have. I don't want to do that because it's just a big list of things I can't do anymore. And it's, it's the perspective on it. It was a, a woman, and this is back many years ago. Back in the day when it was, there were arranged marriages and things like that. And this, this woman, she was a, a uh, her family wasn't well-to-do. And 
She was not betrothed to anybody. Well, there was an older man in the community who had money. He could provide for her. And and her folks kind of arranged this marriage. And it wasn't one out of love. It was an arranged marriage. So she and this older man get married. And there's no love involved. And the first thing he does on their wedding day, after they have said their nuptials, and said there I do's, he hands her this big list of things. And he says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to have my breakfast ready at a certain time. This is what you're going to fix. I want my laundry done, and this is the way I want it done. I want you to starch my shirts a certain way. I want them ironed. I want all this kind of stuff. And she had this big list of things to do. And, of course, he went about his business. He was gone, and she was just through the day. She was doing all this big list of things that she had to do. i got to do this. She's ironing them shirts. And, boy, as you can imagine, resentment soon followed, which even was followed by anger after that. I just can't believe he's wanting me to do I can't believe the demands that he makes on me. Well, this went on for years and years and years, and the resentment got deeper, the anger got deeper, and she was just a very, very unhappy person. Well, this guy was much older than her, and there came a day one, you know, one year that uh, his health failed, and he went off, passed away. And so she felt like her heart had been released. She felt like, I'm free, like I was escaping prison. And so... She felt like that love would never come her way. She was now middle-aged, and and she just felt like, hey, I've been released from this prison that I was in, all these lists of things. You've got to do it, and you've got to do it this certain way. She didn't pursue love, but eventually she met somebody. There's a gentleman about her age, and he was a true gentleman, and he treated her like a lady, and he treated her with respect. And through, through a, a long courtship, she finally kind of healed over those wounds that she had from all the anger and resentment, and, and she finally ended up marrying this guy. And so they had a wonderful life. It was one of those storybook romance kind of things, and she felt like love would never come her way, and then it did in this big way. And so... They spend several years together, and one day she's cleaning out some stuff in the house. And she comes across in a box that she was getting, she was just kind of going through and cleaning stuff out and cleaning stuff up, and she, she finds this list. And it's the list that her former husband had given her of all the things that she had to do. And she just felt like somebody had gut-punched her. Just felt like the breath left her and anxiety came up within her. And she's like, I feel like I felt all those years ago. I I can't hardly catch my breath. It's just, this is just almost too much. Well, she kind of takes it all in for a few minutes and she she picks up the list and she begins to read it. The list is you'll do my breakfast at this time and you'll do it this way and you'll do the laundry this way and do this and do that and a big long list of stuff. And she started to laugh. Because she realized that everything that she had been doing with resentment and anger and drudgery was exactly the same thing she was doing now for the husband that she loved. And that loved her. I'm telling you, the perspective is so much 
different. The Lord doesn't expect work to be a drudgery for us. He doesn't expect the things that he asked us to do to be a huge drudgery. It's all in our perspective of it. And if we realize what he's already done for us, if we've already followed, we've seen what he does, we believe, we love him because of everything he's done for us and all the things that he has forgiven us of, guess what? The few things he asks us to do are small in comparison. In fact, is it can be boiled down to this. What is the most important command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and that's the whole of everything he asks us to do, to know him, to love him, and to make him known. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Our job number one on this earth, really the big to-do for us, is to go out and tell somebody about him. And you know what? If we have followed him, We've seen what he does and we believe in him and we know what he's done for us. It creates love in us and the only thing that we should want to do is then please the person that we love. Uh, Over the last few weeks, I have spent many, many evenings working in our yard. She will attest to that fact. My idea of a neat yard is one that you can run the edge of the mower right down the brick of the house. A lot of the men will say amen to that. And maybe not even run it up against the brick, but just that roundup line that goes around the brick. <laughs> that I can just edge up to that line where the roundup has killed all the grass and I can be done mowing in no time. But my wife likes a neat yard. She, it looks like a city park right now. You, you, you're welcome to come and look at it because it looks pretty neat. I, think, I do think so myself. But that wouldn't be my choice. I have hauled dirt, I have hauled pot and soil, I have hauled plants, I have hauled all that stuff that we had to mow around and trim around and water and worry about when the heat of summer comes and Mark's raising his eyebrows, he knows what I'm talking about. Why? They're not my choice. Mine would be to run the edge of the mower right down the edge of the house and be done. But we got plants that you can't step without stepping on some kind of green growth or something around that yard. It does look like a city park. Why, why should I want to spend my evenings and my partial weekends doing that? Because I love her. Not my choice. I'm doing it because I know it pleases her. By the same token, if we know what the Lord's done for us and we love him so much because, you know, he said the one that's forgiven much loves much. And I think about all that mean, rotten, ugly stuff that I did, and I think, "Woo, Lord, thank you for loving me first. What do you need me to do? I surrendered a long time ago. I said, Lord, what do you need me to do? And he's, ultimately, it came down to preaching. And I'm like, excuse me? Because <laughs> that's not on my radar. It's the same relationship that I'm talking about. Believe it or not, this doesn't come comfortably to me. It does now because through the years and because of the Holy Spirit. But this this was not, it was not my choice. But I love the Lord. And I'm going to obey him. Amen. He may not be calling you to preach. He may just be calling you to be a good witness. He may just be calling you to go out and talk to one, who knows, one person. 
Maybe the only, I talked about that last week. There was somebody that led Billy Graham to the Lord. And I know his name now. Again, <laughs> Mordecai Ham was his name. And that guy led Billy Graham to the Lord. He was a preacher. And he, he preached a message, evidently touched Billy Graham's heart. Billy Graham made a, a decision for the Lord. You may be the next person to lead Billy Graham, we'll put that in air quotes, to the Lord. That may be your only job while you're here on planet Earth. Or it might just be to reach somebody in your family or your next door neighbor or somebody you work with. Amen? The only thing we got to do is obey the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, every day I think we try our very, very best to listen for your voice, to hear what you're saying to us and Lord, that's the one thing that, that the book of Revelation teaches us. Let, let us have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. And Lord, we just, we're listening. And because we love you, we're going to do what you say. And so, Lord, thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for working in that progression of things. And Lord, right now, we, we just commit ourselves to you, to hear your voice, to hear what you're saying to us. And we're going to do our very, very best to obey because we love you. And so, Lord, as every head is bowed, every eye closed in this place, I just, today I'm just going to ask you this way. If you're here and you say, hey, there's something I need to take care of with the Lord before I leave this place. It might be salvation. It might be I've never given my heart and life over to the Lord, or it may be I have, and maybe I've just been resistant to obey what he's calling me to do. I don't know what he's calling you to do, but you do. And that's the most important thing. So if you're here today, in whatever way, you're just saying, I need to make it right with God, would you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call your name. You don't have to leave where you're at to get to where God is. But this morning, yes, I see those hands. Yes, yes. Anybody else? Very quickly. We're going to pray, and then we're going to be dismissed to fellowship.